On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some of the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, when he entered the synagogue and taught, a man who was there, whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that there might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it not lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, or to save a life or to destroy it? And he looked around on them all and said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. In these days, he went to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to pray to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Well, we're blessed by the reading of this text. However, uh, I have to apologize to you. This is, there's been a mistake. That is not the text uh, <laughs> we're preaching on today. Uh, I don't... Was that John 6, 1 through 14? That was Luke? Okay. I have the wrong... I have the wrong text. So let me, uh, let me share with you the text I'm preaching on. <laughs> that was my mistake. <laughs> I apologize for that. John 6, 1 through 14 is where I'm at, if you care to join me. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain, he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover festival of the Jews was near, and when he looked up, he saw a crowd coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them, among them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves, left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, 
This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. Jesus in this text this morning faces an attitude that is so relevant to our lives today that it would be foolish for us not to talk about it. And it's the issue is one of scarcity and abundance. The disciples here in this story today, the feeding of the 5,000, which you're probably familiar, the disciples here say, there's not enough. But Jesus says, there is more than enough. How easy it is to look around the world we live in and say, there is not enough. As a culture, we're trained to constantly want more and to observe that there is not enough. As a church, we often look at what God wants us to do and then we look at what we can realistically accomplish. We say, but there's not enough. It's budget time here at First Baptist Church, and I guarantee you that after we hand in our pledges today and compare them to the budget that we have requested, that the answer will come back, there's not enough, Pastor Curtis. <laughs> I know you want to do that, <laughs> but there is not enough. To this, Jesus replies, there is more than enough. We have more than enough people to accomplish what God has for us to do. More than enough. In fact, I believe that God has called just the right amount of people together in this place at this time for the things that God has in store for us to do. We have more than enough resources, more than enough time and talent, and yes, we have more than enough money treasure to do everything God wants us to do and more. It really ultimately comes down to sharing. There is more than enough people to fulfill the calling. Again, like I said, I believe we've all been called here together and there is not one of you sitting in the pew today and those who aren't here today who are superfluous, who are not needed, who are left over. We, you have been called here and God has something for you to do. And yet somehow in, a, in church, and this is not true just of First Baptist, but almost every church I've been a part of, it seems that a fraction of the people do the bulk of what goes on. And that comes out of a, an attitude of scarcity when Jesus says, but there is an abundance among us. I've given you more than what you need. <laughs> there is more than enough talent here. But too often we believe the voice inside that says, I don't have anything to give. Once again, there's no one here who's irrelevant or unneeded, or doesn't have something that God has given them to bring to us. 
And quite frankly, there's only one person who can do that, and that's you. Only you can do the thing God has called you here to do. And when, when we're not all working together, bringing the talents, the gifts, the things that God has for us to bring, we're operating at a depreciated capacity. We're not quite functioning on all cylinders. Now, we know that means something else sometimes, but <laughs> here I mean we're not, full, we're not operating at full capacity. And there is more than enough treasure. But often our own need to feel secure financially keeps us from bringing that treasure to God. Our fear that there is not enough or that there may not be enough tomorrow. And if I have some left over, then, then I'll add that on. Or if you're like me, what seems to happen is it finds its way into the hands of some coffee shop or department store or really good restaurant <laughs> instead of here first. And it is this notion of sharing that is at the heart of the story we heard today about the feeding of the 5,000. The masses are hungry. They've come to listen to Jesus and caught up in the moment, they took off without planning. And they're hungry. The disciples are trying to figure out what to do. And in this version, Jesus asks them, where are we going to buy the bread needed? Assuming that we need to buy bread and, and feed everybody. Which the disciples talk about how there is just not enough. We could, we don't have, there's not enough money to even feed a little. But then Andrew brings this little boy. Andrew's great. Andrew's always bringing people to Jesus. He's the, he's the introducer, you know. He's the hospitality guy, right? Brings, brings this little boy to Jesus. Here's someone. One who is willing to share what little he has. And it's in this act of sharing that there is found abundance. More than enough. The child got it. Disciples did not. It strikes me that our life as the church really mimics this story. The church called to feed the people, called to ministry. And it only runs as people are willing to offer what they have and allow Jesus to make more out of it than what it really is. We are the church because we are more than just the sum of our parts. Jesus does so much with so little. This is how the church has stayed alive and relevant for more than a century. I'm, I'm always amazed at this, of how the church manages to run. Not many here are trained in nonprofit management. Not many here have business degrees. Not many have a background in organizational structuring. Yet for more than a century, this church has been an effective contributor to the well-being of this city and to thousands of people who have been a part of this church and who have been touched by its ministry. All from the goodwill of good people 
not experts, but people willing to bring what they have and offer it to God. It comes down to this sharing. Like this little boy whose mom had the insight to pack a lunch for him. Here, quick, take this. He had enough just for himself. It was nothing special. He reached into his little fish bag and he had two fish and five loaves. This is all I've got. But here it is. You're free to have it. We all have gifts, talents, and resources that God has given and which God has brought together here in this place. It's up to us to say, here it is. Here's what I have. It isn't much. It isn't fancy. But here it is. When we do, that's when the miracles start happening. When we do, that's when things really start to take off. First of all, when we bring what we have and allow it to be used of God, we reflect the body of Christ. Paul said there is one body but many parts, and all the parts are needed. A foot can't be an eye, a hand can't be an ear. Right? And we are all needed and we all come together. No one person makes up the whole body. It takes all of us sharing together. Furthermore, I have to say, as a fellow traveler, we need each other. Uh, I guarantee you that that pouring, you know, one person pouring all of his efforts into the ministry of this church. It won't take long before that person is burnt out, unhealthy, and resenting every one of you for it. (laughs) But when we come together and we come alongside one another and we support one another and we say, hey, I'm here to help, I'm here to contribute, I'm here to lead, I'm here to take responsibility, or I'm here to take direction from someone else. We come and we say, well, I can give a little... I can give a little time, I can give a little talent, I can give a little treasure. It spreads out the ministry across the whole church. And we find energy from one another in that. So there's no room for resentment when we're getting energy from one another, amen? That's right. And it helps produce within us this attitude of abundance that I'm talking about. When we realize within ourselves that God has provided more than enough, we begin to find it easy to make the necessary adjustments in our lifestyle to make sure there is more than enough to share. So often we're... Giving is something we do as an afterthought. Giving is something we do when it's convenient. But I think an attitude of abundance says it's not a matter of convenience. It's a matter of desiring to see the miracles that Jesus is going to produce with the little gift I'm offering. It's a matter of knowing that there is more than enough 
when I'm willing to share. And so I'm going to skip the latte three times a week, or I'm going to, I'm going to make an adjustment to my lifestyle to make room for participating in the abundance that Christ has in store for us. Little sacrifices here and there that at the end of the day don't feel like sacrifices in the face of such miraculous things going on. And I suppose that's the promise we get in the text today. That as you are willing to put yourselves in the hands of a benevolent God, of a miraculous God, if you're willing to adjust, to even feel uncomfortable, the promise is abundance. And I'm not talking about winning the lottery kind of abundance. I'm talking about an abundance of the blessings of the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the abundance of seeing people find new ways of experiencing life that is not dependent on whether we're in a recession or not. <laughs> or not dependent on all those things within the world that we put so much energy into but is dependent on one's walk with God and walk with each other. In conclusion, let me say, you know what? There are a million of reasons to give of your time, talent, and treasure to this place and to many others. And I got to say, there are bad reasons to give. Guilt is not a reason to give of your time, talent, and treasure. If you're scared of going to hell because you're not giving of your money and your talent and treasure, then I invite you to look at the scripture a little closer <laughs> and to spend some time talking about those theological ideas because there is no threat of hell you don't participate in church. If you are giving out of a sense of obligation because in spite of all my efforts, you still feel guilty after this sermon. <laughs> I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to make you feel alive. I'm here to point to the abundance of Christ. If you're here, if you want to give out of a, out of a sense of obligation... I'd invite you to give out of a sense of joy, a sense of connection to a God whose, whose blessings are offered freely with no caveat or fine print. If you're giving out of fear or out of coercion, those are bad reasons to give of your time, talent, and treasure. That's not what I'm trying to say today. But there are good reasons to give as well. A sense of community. A sense of spiritual discipline. Out of a passion for the ministry that we do. Out of a sense of wanting to 
acknowledge that God is more important than these worldly things that we place so much importance on. To grow. To experience the life God promised. A life of abundance. Ultimately, it comes down to sharing what God has provided. Our time, talent, and treasure. Because of one who has offered oneself to God. One who has given wholly and completely Jesus Christ. And when we give ourselves wholly and completely over to God, money really ceases to be an issue. Resources cease to be an issue. The faith of a child is what's called for. That's why John records that it was a little boy who brings fish and loaves to feed 5,000. Because faith of a child, he never doubted for a moment that Jesus could do something with what he had. The disciples saw all the obstacles. The little boy simply brought what he had and was willing to share. That is when the miracles begin to take place. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, the God of abundance, the provider. This morning, we hear your message coming from the scripture. And we hear the lesson of a little boy willing to share. Give us the strength and insight this morning to offer ourselves first to you. Then offer all we have that you may use it. Not only build your kingdom here to herald it in, to exhibit the reign of justice of God, but that we might grow as well and experience what real abundance is. We ask all of this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.